Look, if you're like me, you hate going to the post office. Standing in line for I'm talking literal minutes. Waiting for the privilege of sending anything you want. Anywhere in the world. Nope, it's not for me, fam. I'd rather post my L's online than wait in line at the post office. You feel where I'm going? And another thing. You know, actually, that's the wrong ad read. Uh, that's, that's my bad. This is actually for my other podcast, Tiny Complaints About Otherwise Amazing Things. Uh, yeah, anyway, here's a show about signs. Well, hi, I'm Jordan. And I'm AJ. You're listening to We Built It That Way, a show about how we shape the places we live and how they shape us. Our behaviors, our relationships, our opportunities, and our imagination. Welcome back to the sixth episode, I think, of We Built It That Way. And a special welcome to all the new listeners who made their way here after our $50 million billboard ad buy in the past (laughs) month. It's good to have all of you. Really hoping this pays off. (laughs) <laughs> for us. So if you've been listening to this show, you you know what the deal is. And if not, we're about to tell it to you. We like to pick a topic of something that sort of seems to fade into the background or seems like a given and tease it apart and talk about a little bit of what's behind it and how it impacts the way we go about our life. I would say today's subject, however, is not something that fades into the background because we're going to talk about signs and right. they're everywhere in your face, no matter where you're looking, while you're driving, while you're walking. So we're going to talk about commercial signage specifically, how it affects us, how it impacts our behavior, give you some tidbits so that you can feel prepared for a dinner party or happy hour <laughs> to um, lay some fascinating knowledge down on people you know, or even maybe some perfect strangers and impress them. <laughs> Yeah, this is really like a service. It really is. It's not about us. This is about you. And this is kind of how we can change the world for the better, ultimately. And yeah, what these companies seek to do is certainly not to fade into the background. And they're always coming up with new ways to stand out, right? That's right. I learned a new term this week, which is OOH. Do you know what that stands for? Well, it's a word. It's ooh. Ooh. Right. It's more than just a word. It's going to ooh and ah you once you, once you learn what, what it's all about. It's called out of home. I guess out of home advertisement because it encompasses posters, billboards, advertisements on transit, uh, airports, and so on. And that is, that's the catch-all term, right? Mm-hmm. For advertising that it's really all about your eyeballs. I mean, this is a podcast for your ears, but this is going to be an eyeball centric episode. This is really a show for the eyeballs. <laughs> but it comes down to it. How could anybody resist that? We certainly are very permissive with our eyeballs in ways that we aren't with with our other senses, right? The amount of input that we put up with on a daily basis going about our cities and our towns intrusive input to put it in the way that some people would. I don't think we'd put up with the same level of noise intrusion. We do have cars, so maybe I'm wrong about that. Well, I think if if signage were noise, a lot of us would be calling the cops on our neighbors. Wow. 
That's going to make everybody think that I'm a terrible person to live next to. I promise that's not me. (laughs) You know, urban advertising or just outdoor advertising is really one of these kind of subjects that gets people with widely diverging opinions if, if they've developed opinions on it at all. And the progression of outdoor advertising has really just been ever larger, ever more eye-grabbing advertisements, you know, shoving their way into public space. And, you know, one sort of common view throughout history as new forms of outdoor advertisement have arisen has been to see them as as intrusions, to have the conversation about public space and the role of, you know, stealing our attention. Uh, seeing them as visual pollution and even sometimes associating their arrival with sort of the seedy underground or or crime. And we can come back to that in a minute. And, you know, you might also encounter people who think of signage and, and any attempt to regulate or diminish the amount of commercial signage as an infringement on on liberty and, and free speech. And so at the very least, I think this is a, an interesting topic that you probably don't spend a lot of time thinking and talking about, but has, a, I think, a pretty big impact on our lives, whether we think about it or not. Yeah, I think so. I've worked in two cities where the term visual clutter yeah. was something that was brought up and it triggered you know, such, a, such an issue. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit later about what is influencing the placement of signage is one thing I definitely want to bring up. But you know, triggered basically an overhaul of of our city's sign codes in order to address that visual clutter issue. And spoiler alert, it <laughs> didn't end well in either case. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, wow. yeah. I'm Hugely emotional discussions, very divisive, and uh, several different issues that made it made it that way, or mm-hmm. feelings that made it that way. Well, so this episode, like like we, you know, this is the signs and or wonders episode of the show. (laughs) And I actually kind of struggled with describing like exactly how you define this show, because once upon a time, this would have been about posters or about posted notices out on the walls. And then that would have expanded to not just posters, but ever, ever growing installations of detention grabbing attempts but the reason why I think it's become difficult to describe it as outdoor advertising or just billboards or whatever is like how it's become integrated so much with the digital world that we're living in and just how much companies are seeking to spend. The lines continue to, to blur as we have, quote unquote, smarter technology and more capacity for data collection. Yeah, for sure. But... The sort of aversion throughout history to the arrival of, of visual clutter, like that's a pretty, that's a straight line. Like we could talk about the privacy issues in a little bit, but I think it'd be interesting to, to mention how over the past decade or maybe more, there have been some pretty high profile movements to rid cities of outdoor advertising, whether it's presented as this is visual clutter or sometimes whether it's presented as this is a reclamation of public space for the citizen and not and not for private advertising. Yeah, for sure. So in some places, it's um, trying to eradicate all outdoor advertising. And in Texas, we've seen a lot of movements that are specific to billboards and, and don't really include other types of signage. So it really... Um, Depends on the culture, the politics, the 
relationship with public ways, public space, and business and capitalism. You know, there's always been advertising in one form or another, but a few sort of things collided to to make the modern form of advertising really take off. And and one of those was industrial capitalism emergence and just a flood of new products to be marketing and telling people about the emergence of widespread literacy. Like if you're going to put words on walls, you, you're going to need enough people to be able to, to read them. And that's a relatively recent phenomenon. And then you're also having to let the technology catch up to reproduce words on paper quickly enough. And so initially it was more like bills that people were shoving in people's hands and and small notices, it wasn't long before the pieces of paper that were getting printed were getting ever larger, advances in like typefaces. And this is all relatively recent in the past couple centuries. Yeah. And then, of course, you have the advent of the automobile, which we've talked about in several episodes already. Yep. So obviously that factors into a lot of things, but it does also factor into signage. So as we started to see more and more cars on the road, Right. A lot of advertising and outdoor signs came about as a way to persuade uh, motorists to come to your business. Yeah, I was listening to uh, yesterday, actually, of another one of my favorite podcasts. So I'll, you know, you promote listen to them others a outside bit. of I of do. Ours. I mean, <laughs> okay. you know, obviously um, ours is number one. But yeah. uh, one of my favorite podcasts podcasts is Business Wars that Wondery puts out. And I was uh-huh. listening to an old season where they were talking about KFC versus Chick-fil-A. And anyway, it's fascinating for a lot of reasons. But one of the things that caught my attention was when they were talking about the beginnings of KFC and the fact that Harlan Sanders, who, of course, was the person responsible for the upstart, Um, was having a feud with a neighboring property owner because he kept painting signage that would pull motorists off the highway to come get his chicken and his neighbor (laughs) kept painting over it. So this competitive nature of advertising is something that we've seen dating back to mid-century, even when, in this case, the signage actually brought motorists to both of their businesses. There was still this feud, if you will, over having the signs up at all. Um, and then, of course, that is the beginning, the the birth of the billboard. Yeah, that's like we were saying, one of the trends throughout public space advertising history is this ever larger signage, right? And it used to be ever larger signage to catch the the pedestrians' attention because that was 100% of people. And that trend really got a shot in the arm from the emergence of the automobile because it's like if your target audience is zooming by at 30, 40, 70 miles an hour, right? you've got just a fraction of a second to catch people's eye. Yeah. I was going to say working in cities, one of the things that we saw regularly was requests for variances from sign regulations. And that was always the basis for the requests was that when the ordinances were initially written, it was in the 1960s when there were, of course, highways full of cars, but they were traveling at a much slower rate of speed than they are today when everyone's zooming by at, you know, 70 and let's be honest, more like 80 uh, mm-hmm. miles an hour. And so the argument always is, well, my sign needs to be bigger than the standards that you have and it needs to be taller than the standards that you have because people are moving much faster and I need them to see my message and my sign. 
Do you ever respond, hey, congestion is your friend? <laughs> do you ever think <laughs> Yeah. Do you think that do you think sign makers or billboard makers are secretly in favor of more congestion? So that people Perhaps. slow down and read their signs. Yeah, congestion definitely maybe helps them with an opportunity for the counter argument that, well, of course, you know, signage, especially yeah. electronic billboards, they don't distract the drivers. Uh huh. Um, the longer they're sitting there, the less we're distracting them. So yay, congestion. <laughs> I, I can see how that might track. Well, it's yeah, more attention, right? You right. Longer attention and more focus on the on the advertisement. You know what I was thinking about this past week? What's that? Is how, you know, we've talked about this before, how how we experience congestion, what our attitude and feelings are, right? Yeah. Anxiety, stress, frustration. I want this to be over with. Right. And that's how I experience most of driving anyway. I don't know if I'm promoting my wares. Do I want to have people associate like seeing my product or service with the, <laughs> the feelings of anxiety or, or stress? frustration well and it clearly you know, works some of us have those feelings about just daily life in general so <laughs> true true <laughs> it's a distraction anyway <laughs> and i think i think anxiety like generating anxiety is one of the most effective like advertising strategies right right, right. you generate an anxiety that's that's addressed and solved by the product or service right exactly Speaking of that, I feel like often on the most dangerous stretches of of highway or like urban highway or strodes, like these mm-hmm. street road combos that are uncomfortable and dangerous, I feel like one of the most common signs to see is like a personal injury lawyer or like hit by a truck, question mark. <laughs> <laughs> you know, nice. maybe that's just me. No, there's a lot of that. I also think when I think of billboards, I think about um, a couple of the drives that I've made before into Oklahoma where there are certain stretches of highway where they have a billboard every one to 300 feet. And so it's like a series and they all read together because they're all one advertiser, like a casino, for example. And uh, there's one word on each billboard. And as you continue driving, you get to see the entire phrase. Yes, this is definitely an automobile era innovation. It sure right? is. Can you imagine? <laughs> can you imagine going about that like the same strategy and the same spacing for people walking, <laughs> like relying or, on or them for to... you know a wagon or being on horseback? Right. You know, three right. hours later, you're minutes. still trying to finish the damn sentence. <laughs> right. Well, maybe that maybe the curiosity would work. <laughs> You know, back to those movements to, to to rid cities of advertising. So a lot of them do focus on billboards for sure. It's like sort of like the shared demon. It's a very easily identifiable, these kind of hulking things that totally stand out, right? They're yeah. they're built into the fabric of the city. They're the most obvious, right? And and people I think there's a lot of these kind of like beautify your city, you know, no billboards movements, which are sort of, I think, a little different from the general argument about like public space, your rights as a citizen, as a you know participant in society in public space to have the decision about where your attention goes, right? Yeah. Did you know that there are a few states in the U.S. that are billboard free? I have followed this over the years. Yeah. It happens in some places. Yeah. Texas is not one of those. Spoiler <laughs> alert. At all. I know everyone Texas listening went, Texas, that's the first business. one I'm going to think of. If you've driven through Texas, you've at the very least remembered the Bucky's billboards, probably. Right. 
Right. Yeah. Our listeners in Alaska are saying, hey, you know, we're billboard free and Hawaii, Maine and Vermont. There might be more. I don't, I don't know. Beautiful places. Yeah. And now it's time for a message from one of our generous sponsors. We have to keep the lights on somehow. That's right, AJ. This episode of We Built It That Way is brought to you coincidentally by Signage. You know, these days, everybody is looking for one kind of sign or another. According to studies, between 85 and 93% of all hit songs are about signs. And you can't hardly go to the mall anymore without some youngster asking you, Hey, mister, what's your sign? (laughs) Somebody even went and made a whole language out of signs. Stories like these are a dime a dozen, or maybe more like a quarter a dozen little inflation reference. Nice one. Thanks. If you ask me, there's never been a better time to get into signage. That's right. These days, signs do it all. They can tell you where to go, where not to go. They suggest what you should have for lunch, tell you what's on TV, or that you'll get shot if you trespass. Or how about yard signs? Nothing speaks truth to power like a two-foot-tall yard sign telling people what your thoughts are. Now you're telling the truth. Or there's my personal favorite, the peace sign. (laughs) If you've got something to say, chances are you can do it with a sign. Stop. I'm just playing with you. That's another pretty famous sign, though. Oh, you had me there, AJ. So what are you waiting for? Isn't it time you tried saying what's on your mind with a sign? You know, maybe let's take a second and talk about we've already started down this road, but like what exactly I think that there's a uniqueness to the type of advertising that you can't escape from. Like you mm-hmm. can't turn the TV off, you can't turn the radio off. Like it's there and your attention is being grabbed whether you've kind of consented to it or not. I don't well, know. What do you think about that? Except for unless you can't the read two or three people I pass every day on the road that are staring at their phones. I don't think That's it bothers true. them too much. <laughs> I mean, there's there's like roadway signage, which I uh, ignore in general because it seems dangerous to read a lot of signs. Well, I I shouldn't say I always ignore it. I try to ignore it. But then yeah. there's a lot of others. There's a lot. I mean, if you're on transit, you're bombarded with signs. If you are just walking down the street, you know, signs, sides of buildings. And the more you look for it, the more commercial signage stands out. Yeah. I think so. And I think actually one of these, this element of how you're a captive audience and you're not like a television audience, for example, or a radio audience, this is something that's not lost on the, on the advertisers themselves. Uh, AJ, I'm going to read some copy from a few different websites. All right. Are you ready for this? Okay. I'm ready. Okay. Capital Outdoor, I think, is a um, advertising company. Outdoor advertising incorporates your targeted branding message into the everyday landscape of commuters and becomes part of the very fabric of the living and working environment where it's placed. Mm. All right. So there's one thing, which I think is a really excellent point. Like it is really like fundamentally a a part of our, our everyday lives. And I think the way we permit that to be the case says a lot of interesting things about what our priorities are and and maybe how our attitudes on that differ from our attitudes on what we would consider graffiti. Right. 
Here's another one from the Outdoor Media Center, which is a British trade association. This is from a brochure. People love outdoor advertising because of the way it entertains and amuses. Um, so that's hmm. okay. research backed. So they, they rebranded as Outsmart, uh, you know, to update for the digital age. So here's some, here's some copy from their website. This is the golden age of out of home, in parentheses, O-O-H. Or ooh. ooh. So they list like a few different like factors that make it more powerful than ever before. So out of home creates unavoidable impact, which we were just saying. Like that, this is a, a component of their... Right. marketing Killing to like that. their business to business marketing right out of home is different from other media it cannot be avoided or blocked you know with an ad blocker or whatever and as more people spend more time out and about its audiences are increasing just you know well known fact more and more people spending time out out and about it is a public comma broadcast comma medium with reach and impact it conveys stature and authority, making brands famous and iconic. <laughs> just, that was just like authority top, top notch. and iconic. So it, it conveys authority. I actually think that's kind of a good point because like there's definitely the stamp of officialness with these signs that are sanctioned, right? Mm -hmm. um, it's not really a good point, but I'm saying that they've hit on a reality. Like there's not authority with what we would consider graffiti, like unsanctioned visual communication. Anyway, uh, out of home drives action. As consumers spend more and more time out and about, <laughs> they really like talking about this trend, they are more exposed to out of home. Sort of a tautology. Academic studies, none are listed, show that when consumers are out and about, they are in an active mindset. This means they are more inclined to absorb and engage with new messages. Don't you find yourself in your car, frustrated by traffic, inclined to absorb and engage with new messages? Yeah, yeah. I was going to say the uh, the way that I've observed a lot of people drive, um, I Very think they're open. barely aware of the driving <laughs> part of what they're supposed to be doing, much less able to absorb anything else. But maybe that's just me. Smartphone proliferation allows consumers to respond to OOH, calls to action, which I guess so. I think that we're also just moving towards like the data collection, like that sort of bypasses your your activity. They snap, search, share, and shop. Like that meeting, they were like, if we could make them all start with an S, all four. Right, right, right. Makes uh, it sound snappy. And shop more immediately than ever before. Okay, last one. Out of home drives creativity. Out of home is the ultimate creative medium. Well, you know. Just want to leave room for fact checking on that. I, uh, yeah. I know, okay. you're dumbstruck. Well, All right. Well, no, no. I was actually just writing down some slogans for some billboards I'm going to call and rent because it's clearly, I'm missing the boat here. Everyone's going to be so engaged and they're going to immediately do what mm -hmm. I need them to do. It is the ultimate creative medium. The last one ever. It's the ultimate. Classic OOH create... <laughs> now they've switched to just using OOH. Creativity offers unavoidable impact and memorability. 
I don't know why I read it that way. Digital OOH. So here's like the new innovation. Digital OOH provides advertisers and agencies with a wealth of creative opportunities. It's the ultimate creative medium. Right. Time sensitive, location specific, contextual, and other dynamic messaging triggers provide advertisers with new creative opportunities to engage with an ever more defined audience. There you have it. Wow. So this is an exciting frontier that we're on. To be fair, I mean, we're we're being very facetious in a way. And I understand that we may have angry listeners or, well, I hope we have listeners at all. But <laughs> some of them might be angry because I think we're basically just calling BS on billboards in general. But I think this gives us more to delve into in our conversation in a few minutes about behavior yeah. and appropriateness and location. So let's do it. Well, okay. So, you know, we always like to unpack how does the way we built or designed something influence human behavior? Are we making too much of of the influence that they could have? Are we being very naive about the amount of influence they have? Certainly a, a fascinating conversation. We've already touched on one of these things, which is traffic safety. And there have long been for the last several years, Lots of studies and court cases and arguments and papers and other things written about the influence of outdoor advertising on traffic safety and the contention that it is distracting to motorists. So I don't really think we're going to solve that today. It hasn't been solved in a decade. But there there are some other things that I think are are interesting to consider. So one of them is, and we've we talked about this in a in a previous episode too, about congestion, the interplay in today's reality with GPS reliance and navigating to different places. So again, you know, when we first started talking about this outdoor advertising, it was all about attracting, persuading, and bringing people to your door. And so, you know, that's an interesting thing to think about is, has the the purpose shifted in any way? Or should we consider this in a different light? Since so many people are, in fact, planning their drives around where their GPS is telling them to go, and, and therefore they are deciding their final destinations rather than driving down a corridor and having that sign beckon them and making an impromptu stop. That's, that's one thing to think about. Yeah. I certainly think that's probably spooked the billboard industry a little bit. Oh, if, if everything's moving onto your phone, if we're living more and more of our life through this virtual medium, you know, you certainly see the change that, has occurred in Google Maps over the past however many years. Now, you know, logos of like a Shell station or McDonald's or whatever, they're popping up without you asking for those services. Exactly. As if to say, hey, we're here. Don't forget that we're here. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a very interesting development that's occurred. Yeah. And so the pendulum seems to be swinging back a little bit where like that's a really crowded field where we're just bombarded all the time and data collection is a a huge component. And, you know, the billboard companies will say that it's still the lowest cost, highest return is because you're a captive audience. You're just you have to see it. It's unavoidable. Yeah. I guess if you can see, you know, we're a visual 
species. And we, we have made the collective decision largely to say that visual intrusion is generally acceptable. Right. To the point where it seems like it's inevitable. We just kind of consider it inevitable. We do consider it inevitable. I think we just learned to accept it. You know, another uh-huh. another kind of signage this makes me think of is the directional signage. You know, when you're going to fast food chains, for example, there's mm-hmm. in addition to their main sign, there's always a series of smaller signs around the property telling you where to turn in and, and where's the drive through. And so, you know, again, how does the reliance on GPS factor into that too, where you have something that is quite literally telling you turn here. I mean, there's a lot of growing examples. You know, we mentioned the digital billboards and digital signage. That's taken off in a big way in the past few years, not just because you can change what's showing in an instant or stream different things, but because of the way you can integrate it with data collection from people literally just walking by the sign Mm -hmm. or connecting to the free Wi-Fi that the digital sign kiosk is, you know, supposedly just giving you just because they're nice, right? Like, so there's like this whole next frontier of integration into our lives. I think it's like the ultimate, right? The ultimate evolution is like combine this. You have to see it because it's in the physical space with the beauty to these advertisers of the targeted advertisement based on your activity. Right, exactly. Your activity in physical space, yeah. As I was walking down the street, a billboard caught my eye. The advertisements written there would make you laugh and cry. The signs were torn and scattered from the storm the night before. And as I read the things they said, why, this is what I saw. Smoke Coca-Cola cigarettes, drink Wrigley's spearmint beer. Kettle ration dog food keeps your wife's complexion clear. Two chocolate-covered mothballs, they always satisfy. Brush your teeth with life voice open, watch the suds go by. I just want to put a little plug in for this pretty fascinating read from Places Journal. And I can't remember the author's name. We'll put it in the in the, the show notes. It's called The Stealthy Politics of Urban Advertising. And he draws some from this like 1870s book um, written about the history of advertising up to that point. And like we mentioned earlier, a lot of it developed out of increase in literacy, the burgeoning population of industrial London. And the same thing was going on in other in other places as well. But that initially it was like seen the way we see graffiti currently. And it was really poor people finding a job, slinging up these posters everywhere. And like you see paintings from the early 1800s where there's just like these whole walls are plastered dozens and dozens and dozens of these these like posters. They were like a huge eyesore. Everyone was competing with, with everyone else. It was like cutthroat. And then the kind of industry solidified and sort of self-regulated and developed these kind of like, look, this is a useful tool. We don't have to associate it with crime and the underworld and all this. But that standards started to develop and we later associated, you know, advertisements less with crime and more with like an assault on, on our senses when we're walking around. But it became sort of like a, hey, you know, you have a house, uh, it's got a wall and it's near a high traffic street. Like this is your, this is your chance, you know, make a buck. Yeah. But yeah, it's just kind of interesting that it's always been 
a component. And there's always been the push pull between like, you need to compete to be in front of your competition, but you don't want to end up getting shut down and banned, right? Because it screws everybody if, yeah. if you're advertising. Well, you know, that brings to mind something else too. When you mentioned crime, you know, this, this may be another way it kind of influences the way we think about things. How many Uh people do you know that would say, oh, that's a great part of town because it has a billboard. That's a good neighborhood. Uh huh. Not many. You hear a lot of people say, well, you know, that's, that's not really the best part of town. And, um, usually along freeways and and major corridors where, where guess what, by the way, is where most of their multifamily housing is. Some of their core neighborhoods that have fallen out of favor in pursuit of the big, shiny suburban subdivisions. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's, that's another thing to keep in mind is the way we perceive where those signs are placed. You know, you usually don't think of a corridor that has a proliferation of pole signage and go, that's a really up and coming corridor. Usually those are corridors that are left behind. And so I think the unintended consequence of that or intended, depending on who you talk to, is that the placement of that outdoor advertising disproportionately affects subpopulations that are living in those areas. And generally Mm -hmm. the thought process is, eh, well, they're used to it over there. But I promise you, if you were going and you were going to erect a very large billboard right next to a country club, people would be coming out of the woodwork. Yes, they would. And they would not be happy. No. Well, I think you raise a really good point there. I think we do that with a lot of things in society. Like we are okay with their existence. We'd prefer they are out of sight and Things that we think are ugly or smelly or unsightly. Away from me. (laughs) You know, something that I I think we should totally do like an episode on at some point is like often, you know, apartments, for example, will be used as a buffer. Like that's how they'll be described. Like, okay, let's buffer from the, that's fine. They'll, they can handle it. They're just renters. So it's okay if they have to put up with it. Right. So it's like along highways. Yeah. It's sort of this acknowledgement that something that we'd consider an intrusion. Yeah. And I want to make sure that I, I say this too, and in all fairness, you know, I, I know that some might hear this argument and they would be saying, well, hang on. What about the equity issue for me as a business owner when this neighbor is given special permission to build a sign that I wasn't allowed to build? And so now they have more exposure than I do. Mm-hmm. So I, I do understand that there are also equity issues related to signage as it comes to equity of business owners. And so I don't think anyone really has been able to say, oh, yeah, we cracked that code and everybody's happy. Yeah. Well, to take it out out of that kind of heady space of writing laws and codes and all of this and what size the signs need to be and how, how far they're set back from the street, I think there's a difference between putting some like legible demarcation that this is where Al's mechanic shop is so that you know when you're in the right place. Right. And opening up the entirety of a city to plastering attention grabbing, you know, stuff at every spot because your eyeballs are valuable and they drive dollars. Like I do think there's a pretty big gulf there. And I think that's a straw man if you think that 
not you, but like if someone thinks like, oh, some kind of reining back in of the public space and, and what what you can advertise, like it's not the same thing as saying you shouldn't be able to let people know where you are. Yeah, it's definitely not. But, you know, with most things that are regulatorily driven, the most passionate arguments are from people who feel that they may be treated unfairly, which is ironic given some of the equity issues we talked about earlier Mm -hmm. when we don't seem to care if people are being treated unfairly. But all that to say, you know, the regulations that we have, it really tells the story, if you pay attention and read between the lines, of the community's values. Mm -hmm. And you know what? Let's get into that here in one second. But I have this quote I wanted to read for you Okay. that I think is maybe a good segue. Um, This is from G.K. Chesterton, whose writing I really enjoy. This is up from something he wrote in 1920. And this is a time where urban advertisement was... I guess a lot of people considered it to be pretty out of control, but maybe that's something we've always thought. Here's the quote. He said, he wrote, it is really not so repulsive to see the poor asking for money as to see the rich asking for money. And advertisement is the rich asking for more money. A man would be annoyed if he found himself in a mob of millionaires, all holding out their silk hats for a penny or all shouting with one voice, give me money. Yet advertisement does really assault the eye very much as such a shout would assault the ear. Budge's boots are the best simply means give me more money. Use seraphic soap simply means give me more money. And he goes on to to talk about how it's often like these men as he's describing them like who live in very well appointed homes and are very particular about their adornment in their own homes. But they, as he said, disfigure, he says, they disfigure their towns in order to decorate their houses. I thought that was kind of an interesting take a hundred years ago. I think it is. And I think it's still a very relevant take. So much of our physical world, our built environment is, we sort of think about it as an inevitability. But if we thought about the same thing, like we said earlier with with sound, right? If we were Mm -hmm. constantly, every place we passed was shouting Buy this soap, you know? Yeah. Use this search engine. Like the newsboys back in the day, standing on the street corner, shouting to get your attention. If every message yeah. we saw was someone shouting uh-huh. at us. Yeah, for sure. Which that's a, that's a long, that has a much longer history than, you know, print advertisements do, right? Mm-hmm. There's, there's always been that, but it's like when you kind of frame it in that way, you're like, oh, wow. If we had that level of, of bombardment, I don't know. It's just something that I, yeah. I hadn't really spent a lot of time thinking about before we came up with this topic and it's like, well, it does certainly say something about what we value. Yeah. What do you think that is? Part of it is I think our nature to try to keep things simple. Uh And yet in our efforts to try to keep things simple, we make them incredibly complicated. So Hmm. specific example of what I'm talking about here you know, sign regulations are often not approached, believe it or not, are not often approached by people in government 
with a spirit of let's make this as complicated as possible. I, I don't really believe most right. people are going into it thinking that. Yeah, what they're thinking yeah. is we've got to make it the same citywide. Like we've got to create regulations for this city's footprint. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're really scared of disorder. And yeah. in the process of doing so, that paired with our proclivity for trying to head off everything before it happens uh-huh. or remembering that one time it didn't work out so well and let's make sure that can't happen again. We end up making the issue so incredibly complex that honestly, I, I feel sorry for a lot of business owners that are looking at sign codes, trying to figure out what in the heck they can build to start with in terms of a yeah. sign, because they're difficult to read in most cases for pretty much everyone, including experts and attorneys. It's tilted, right? Like a lot of things are towards those with the largest resources and the, the national spread, right? It's those formula businesses with the most resources, the most lawyers, the most understanding. Like those yeah. are the ultimate people who could The people that the you most. want to avoid because they uh-huh. have more resources to argue with you about this stuff. Right. You know, and, and another element of that is when we are guilty of, of trying to do something on a citywide basis in this case, we miss context, you know? Mm. So while one would argue the only true path to equity is to treat everyone with the same set of rules, the other side of that could be, okay, but let's think about this in context. Is an area in your town that was largely built completely before 1920, the same as a corridor that was built specifically for high-speed cars is the same as an area that was largely residential, but out of necessity and invention intermingled some smaller commercial uses within it. Well, of course not. Those three areas are going to function completely differently. The context is very different, but yet we're trying to write one set of rules that we can use on all of them. Hmm. We do that in a lot of ways. We do that with our street design standards. It's sort of like yep. we start with the highway and then we work our way, try to put that set of standards on every type of Make street. Make it nice and, and neat. Yeah. And uh-huh. and to, to be honest, I've been guilty of this. So I'm not trying to sound snotty like I've never lowered myself to do that. I have there, made yeah, this audience mistake. Audience members were certainly thinking... She better fess up. <laughs> she better get off her high horse. Yeah, I mean, I've definitely made those mistakes too. And but but I think that's the kind of dialogue that we we aren't having with these types of of regulations. Mm-hmm. When we're talking about sign restrictions, you know, I can remember some of the the frequent people that came out in force right away were the car dealerships. And I'm not demonizing car dealerships in any way, but I'm happy to. Their <laughs> their needs and desires and you know are different from the small mom and pop, are very different from the big box. You know, th- that context is is very different, but we don't talk about that much. And the other thing is standards that not only can be understood is something we're bad at, but we're also really not good at talking about standards that take in the context of the buildings. So, you know, we say we do this, for example, by Mm -hmm. saying, well, we care about scale because your attached signage can't be more than 25% of the size of the facade. So Uh we are looking at that. Well, you know, we're, we're trying maybe, but that really doesn't take into account, like what's the architecture of the building or, or these days, is there any architecture to that building and, uh-huh. and how does signage enhance that or take away from that? And like you said earlier, kind of 
thinking about these types of decisions like they were our personal decisions that we had to live with within our home. <laughs> right. What if we actually approach things that way? So the next item up for discussion is a sign variance request that would, if approved, allow a, says here, sign 10 times the maximum allowed square footage and 15 feet taller than the maximum allowed sign height. Ms. Brown is here representing the applicant, a local church. Ms. Brown, can you please explain to the Board of Adjustment why such an incredible deviation from the sign code is warranted in your case? The church is spreading a message that needs to be heard far and wide. With this variance, we can reach people from five miles in any direction. State law requires evidence of a clear hardship caused by the ordinance. What are you claiming as that hardship? Sir, we are competing with signs for fast food chains, gas stations, and retail stores. It's un-American to stifle our First Amendment right of free speech this way. Isn't your First Amendment right preserved by the allowance for you to build a sign that falls within the side guidelines? No, you're limiting our speech by doing that. So, so your contention is that your First Amendment right is only preserved if you get to set the size of the sign. Exactly. Should other businesses in your area be allowed to also set their own size limitations? Absolutely not. Our holy message is far more important than two-for-one burgers or the price of a gallon of diesel. Ms. Brown, there is a neighborhood next to the church, and we are required to take into account the impact of your proposed sign on them. Our sign will provide shade where it does not currently exist, and it gives migrating birds a place to rest on cross-country trips. Given the lack of trees in this neighborhood, it's an amenity, really. Oh, well, when you put it that way... Motion to approve. I, I wonder if you saw, there's a couple pieces who have talked about this because it's pretty high profile in the past 15 or 20 years. Sao Paulo, um, Brazil, their mayor basically went forward with a total ban on advertisements. Do me a favor, please. Get out of here. And mm -hmm. they also targeted like graffiti too. So it was sort of like an equal opportunity we want to make the city prettier. And so they just like went about totally removing billboards. And I guess the surfaces themselves were there, but they were like painted white. And I don't know if you saw like any of those articles talking about that. But I what I wanted to say about that is like, they really went forward with it. And the whole thing was like, let's make the place a more beautiful city and let's remove this clutter. And one of the outcomes among many was that like people started, it, it was even more stark how kind of ugly in a lot of ways the city was and how it was sort of like jarring for people to see. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of was thinking like, let's say we moved towards, because there are movements all around the world, like saying, look, this is an intrusion. This is not something we ever, you know, we shouldn't be giving consent to just have messages blaring at us all day long. I wonder if you think if we really removed all or most of advertisements from our cities and our towns and wherever we live, do you think we'd put up with it long enough before we could transition those spaces to something more beautiful or more useful? Or do, like, do you think those are so wrapped 
adapt into how we experience our places that it would be too jarring and we'd run back into the arms of advertisers. There's the funding component of that too. Wow, that's a romantic notion. <laughs> We're going to run back into their arms. Baby, come back. Yeah, the first thing that pops into my mind when you ask that is, well, I wonder if in those cities globally that have done this, if they're as litigious as we are here in the United mm. States, because the first thing that always comes up is the First Amendment, and you're infringing on my right to put messaging out there. Now we're talking about values. Right. So, you know, that trumps everything else and, you know, one and done is usually how those arguments uh -huh. go. Now, what I wish we felt as strongly about in the United States and in our home state of Texas is uh -huh. the values and principles of a community and holding a community in high regard uh -huh. and not just treating it as a place we live in. There happen to be other people here, but really understanding that, you know, that having a vision for our community and, and really being discerning about does this serve that or does it not? And are we all consenting by being members of this community that that's really kind of our top priority? And so that's yeah. a huge shift in thinking and culture that I can't imagine, even though I might want to, in my lifetime, that being different. Mm -hmm. And without that shift, I think it would be really difficult to get something like this to happen. You know, I, I can see where maybe something on a smaller scale where, you know, you define a district or a corridor or something. And like we talk about with tactical urbanism, like we're going to experiment with this and we're going to see what are the impacts. Mm -hmm. Let's test this theory. I, is there a more incremental approach? Maybe. I, oh, right. I don't know. I think we'd see if like we took an approach like Sao Paulo did, which I don't know where things stand there now, but like it was like jarring for people to see all these blank canvases, right? Like, sure. I think it would really make clear to us like some of the sacrifices that we've made. Yeah. Or some of the, you know, maybe you don't want to call them sacrifices, but like a lot of the real estate, like physical space that we've given to purely like the movement of products. Yeah. And it, it might be upsetting and I mean, maybe inspiring. Like, you know, there's been movements to transform billboards into art installations. Uh -huh. Like there's a lot you could think about doing. I mean, yes. Or just removing them all together. But like just to choose our own, <laughs> I was going to say choose our own adventure, choose our way forward based on like what we want as a society rather than what we just inherited. Right. With technology, we were talking about technology earlier. Speaking of that, maybe that's an approach too to get people to understand is, you know, I, I can see where there would be some really compelling ways to help people imagine that before it actually happens using uh -huh. technology. So taking photographs of a corridor yeah. and using technology to eliminate from the photographs all of those signs and see what that corridor looks like. You know, I, I've yeah. worked on projects where we've done that with overhead utility lines, you know, kind uh -huh. of seeing, okay, this is what you'd be choosing if yeah. you decided to go a different route. I think that would be really interesting. I, I've followed yeah. some of the efforts to transform them to art pieces, and and I find that really interesting too. But I, I think part of the problem is we have a difficult time even imagining a life without all of this messaging. So mm -hmm. if we could even get a glimpse into what that could be, how those conversations might be different, especially, you know, yeah. with anticipating the arguments that will always come forward. 
well, you know, yeah. you're not allowing me to, to advertise my business. Well, in this scenario, everyone is falling under the same limitations. Same boat, yeah. And let's see uh -huh. what that looks like. And does that maybe breathe life into a corridor where you're struggling in your business uh -huh. to bring people back to it? You know, and, and yeah. really being creative about here's some of the positive impacts that could come from this yeah. instead of just dismissing it out of hand because it's change. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think it's very plausible that a lot of our commercial signage is distracting us from a lot of other built environment decisions that we've made. Yeah. The Sao Paulo example, they talked about, for example, how a lot of billboards were like hiding the favelas, the like slum neighborhoods. Uh -huh. And there were sort of this handy separation. And that's like an extreme example. But I'm just thinking about all of the infrastructure that we've put in the ground. And there's a lot of ways that I think we do get distracted by what we've done with the physical environment. What do you think? Yeah, I, I agree. It makes me wonder things like, and this kind of ties into something I, I want to make sure we talk about for a minute, which is like the evolution of signage and what does that say about us? Uh -huh. Because I think it's very interesting. In hindsight, we always use that expression, well, hindsight's twenty twenty, but hindsight's yeah. also very valuable because you can look back and see unintended consequences of things that you couldn't see looking at it the other way. So, right. for example, if we weren't creating this proliferation of signage along our streets and roads or strodes, how might we design our buildings differently? Mm -hmm. You know, would we still continue to slap up thoughtless boxes that are beige and all look the same? Or would we really try to put a little more effort into facade design so that our building beckons people to come to us instead of the huge pole sign that we used to rely on? So let's move on, give a little homework for the week, for the month. And uh, this time, as always, check out the show notes. We have lots of great things for you to read and on the more active side of things. Well, I think we've already kind of alluded to something that could be a very easy homework assignment. You know, the next time that you're, you're driving or you're walking somewhere along an area that has a lot of signage, you know, imagine what it would look like if that signage were gone. And think about how you think it might impact your experience being in that space. And would it deter you from still finding the places that you needed to find? And I think if we're all a little more introspective into exploring how we might behave and be affected by the lack of it, we get to a point where we can have more productive conversations about it. I like that a lot. That's a great, great suggestion. All right, we're going to leave it there. You can follow us on social media. We're at We Built It Pod. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see y'all on the next episode of We Built It That Way. Doctors prove that babies shouldn't smoke till they are three. People over 35 take baths and Lipton's tea. You can make this country a better place today. Just buy a record of this song and throw it fur away. T-I-E-D-Tide.